With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode 183 of below the belt um today's episode is like a frank warren pay-per-view card lots of fights uh for lots of titles and we're gonna do little bits and pieces on all of it uh joined today by my good friend john mcdonald how are you sir i'm very well thank you if it's a frank warren card does this mean that we're going to be talking about the main event at midnight <laughs> at the earliest at the earliest <laughs> you, you are not getting on the jubilee line like it's done <laughs> <laughs> thank god for the 24 hour jubilee line because a lot of people would be getting stuck at the o2 if it was up to frank warren um yeah, it's um, and actually the other thing about a Frank Warren card, John, is that it will be named after some old movie, Judgment Day, The Magnificent Seven. Like he loves a movie reference, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's Frank or Andy Ealing or both of them. Right, right. Is yeah, it, it seems to me they love an old school kind of movie reference. Uh, actually, I'm going to. I added a couple of bits to the running order, John. Um, just as I was coming back home from work, um, just about this weekend actually, because there's a couple of shows on the zone. Um, Michael Conlon's back against Jordan Gill. Um, how do you think of that? What do you think of of that? You know, Michael Conlon. He, I, f- I think he's changed trainer. I think he's left Adam Booth, hasn't he? And uh, I thought his tactics against uh, Lopez were suicidal. To be honest, he, he he went in head first against a banger like that. How do you think he gets on against Jordan Gill at the weekend? I actually find this fight quite interesting because it sort of gets forgotten about now, but Jordan Gill was really highly thought of in about early 2019 after having a couple of breakout performances on Sky. I think it was Ryan Doyle was the first one that caught the attention and then there was a couple of international fights and people were starting to say that he was going to be the next big thing coming out of Britain in the featherweight division. And then Tinoco went and stopped him. That was his homecoming fight. No, sorry, it wasn't a homecoming. It was on the undercard of a Lee Wood card because they were good pals, etc., etc. He should probably have pulled out because he was ill. He didn't. 
he was starting to rebuild again, won the European title, and then just got wiped out by Kiko. He's also changed trainers. He's no longer with Dave Caldwell. In the lead-up to this, he was saying that he's sort of training bits and pieces with lots of different people. His dad's doing a lot of his training. He's doing some work with Ben Davison, etc., etc. But when Lee Wood got a big breakout opportunity against um, Kanzu, yeah. He, people forget that Kanzu had the opportunity of fighting Lee Wood or Jordan Gill as a tune-up ahead of the Warrington fight, and he chose Wood thinking he was the easier opponent. Wow, he ended up getting stopped, didn't he? Yeah, stopped in the final round by Lee Wood. Wow. So that that's one of these really textbook terrible decisions. Choosing. Uh, would over over Gill, given that Gill struggles with pressure. Mm. Pressure and power has been his undoing. Like, Conlon will bring plenty of pressure. I'm just not convinced he's got the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could be a fun fight for that reason, actually, uh, because I think both of them have, have seen better days. Um, but, you know, Conlon's perhaps a little bit fresher, but he doesn't have the power. So it might end up being a pretty fun fight. And I think Tyron McKenna's on the undercard. Um, Sean McComb. There's yeah, it's just a nice little, nice little uh, British card over in Belfast at the SSC Arena, which I went. I, I went there the one time. Um, not a fan. Wasn't a fan of, of Belfast, but uh, it was great. Great watching boxing uh, in that arena. Um, who do you fancy for it? I think Conlon will win. Probably like semi-wide-ish decision in a fight that probably feels closer than the scorecards is how I see it. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're probably right. So I think Jordan Gill's coming off a loss, a loss and a draw in his last three. Um, up at Super Feather, yeah. Well, I don't know if Conlon's going to carry any power at Super Feather if he's not doing it at Feather. Yeah, I, I think Conlon... Conlon might get him out of there late. I just think Jordan Gill's a little bit on the turn. I think he might... I think his punch resistance might be a little bit gone after that Kiko Martinez. The Curse of Kiko sounds <laughs> sounds like a, a podcast title. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and, uh, and then at the weekend as well, John, is um, Ryan Garcia's coming back. It's funny how we call it a comeback, a return, just because they lost the fight. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think we have to call them comebacks because they fight so infrequently now that they disappear for so long after a fight. You know, I think in the days when they were fighting frequently, you wouldn't be talking about returns and comebacks. It would just be getting back on the horse, mm. back in the ring. But now, you know, he's disappeared since, what was it, like March or April. He lost to Tank, big disappears off the face of the earth. And now he's coming back against Gerardo, which is a decent little fight. Like, I've certainly seen worse big news on that card is that we're not getting O'Hara Davis against Ismail Barroso anymore yeah. because of visa issues with uh, with Davis but yeah like let's see if Ryan Garcia still draws massive fans or if he's just popular on Instagram now yeah it will yeah that'll be it we'll, we'll see where kind of where he's at really I, you know it's it's been a little while since he's boxed, but you know, I guess coming off a, you know, the, a defeat in that manner, you know, Tank had, Tank's got a valid reason for not boxing. The guy's been a prison. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whereas Ryan Garcia's has been kind of training and 
you know, doing stuff on Instagram and all of that. This guy, this guy is fighting um, Gerardo. You know, he's 26, one on one. He's a little bit of a punch. I think he's got 21 knockouts. I think I saw earlier on. He's got a bit of dig. And with Garcia, what you can see with him is that he can get caught kind of square on. He can get caught out of position. I don't think he's chinny or anything, but he he can he can leave himself open and get caught with a shot and, and dropped. He gets up, um, except for when he you know when Tank hit him with a body shot. But um, but it could be an interesting one, John. It could be like he's fighting a guy that can punch. He's got what I believe you've described before as Amir Khan feet. Ah, yes, moves moves a lot. Yeah, yeah, like. Garcia can get a little bit excited, a little bit bouncy, can get caught square, his feet move faster than his brain are capable of keeping up with sometimes. He's not always on balance. So flash knockdowns are absolutely possible. Gets a little bit greedy, stays in range too long. Like, I think Ryan Garcia is great fun to watch. I think if we just let him go, match him with people, he'll win some, he'll lose some. I think it's all good. Yeah. I think he's good enough. He'll, I think he can win a belt. You know, I think he could. Yeah. I think he could win a belt at one forty. You know, I think it's that division's <sighs> open enough where you know where I think he could potentially win a belt. You know, against somebody. Um, maybe if O'Hara Davies, if that fight eventually gets made, maybe he can get that fight. Um, I imagine the O'Hara Davies, perhaps him not getting to come over anything to do with MTK. So I thought maybe those those affiliations maybe were the reason why. Um, same reason Tyson Fury and everybody else can't really come over, um, but yeah, it's strange that they've you know they they made a fight over here for for um, O'Hara Davies. And I like O'Hara Davies. If if they thought Visa would be an issue, um, but it's a shame. But hopefully they can they can reschedule that for for somewhere else pretty soon, John. Yeah, it's only been pushed back a short period of time. They, so they seem to be confident they're going to get it through. So it doesn't seem to be MTK related. <sighs> While we're on an MTK tangent, though. On the undercard in Belfast, you've got the MTK slash Danny Vaughn derby between Sean McComb and Sam Maxwell. Yes. Which is just screams MTK. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, it does. That should be should be interesting. It should be a far. What I also saw that was interesting on the Ryan Garcia card, John, was Shane Mosley is Shane Mosley Jr. is ranked number fifteen by Boxrec. Uh, that's very high, isn't it? Ah, uh, the algorithms are at play again. Yeah, I love a bit. Of, I love an algorithm. I love a bit of nerdy stuff. Um, like, I suspect it's probably because he's got the win over Gabe Rosado, yes. who they were probably ranking quite highly on uh, the back of his win over Beck the Bully. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's amazing how the algorithm works. It really is. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, he won a majority decision over Rosado, and that's why. And he's won a couple since. Got a WBO, NABO belt as well. Go on, son, defend that bitch. Um, <laughs> God, uh, good luck. Good luck to him. Good looking guy as well. Good luck to him. Um, see what he can do. He's never going to be what his dad is, you know. But no. what his dad was, he'll never get near it. He's 32 now. Bless him, Shane Mosley Jr. Um, is he? Yes. No way. Yeah. Yeah, he's 32. Um, yeah, I don't even think he'll win a world title. You know, I, I don't, no. No, I don't think he'll even win a, a, a regular, you know, but 
best of luck to him making money maybe he'll make maybe he'll get a big fight for a lot of money at some point that's all you can really ask really um a fair play to him for getting in the ring to be honest um let's go back to the weekend just been so it's thursday evening when we're, when we're recording just now um but let's go back to saturday i gave my moody stick it's moody fire stick it's debut um worked <laughs> like a dream um Chantel cameron katie taylor too uh, for the undisputed uh, junior welterweight titles over in Dublin, um, the Taylor Redemption arc, John. Um, it seemed like everybody wanted it. Everybody on the zone wanted it. The fans wanted it. Everybody wanted to see the Redemption arc, um, and we got it, John. Or did we? I think we did. Like I was very surprised that Katie Taylor managed to find that extra gear to go through because in the build-up to this I referred to Katie Taylor as perhaps the least adaptable boxer I've ever seen in my life Mm. she previously had plan A and if plan B didn't and plan B was hope to the the judges like plan A like she fought the same against Pursun both times Serrano you know she's come forward flurry let your hands go she fights one way but she showed something a little bit different there and she just about edged it out for me. I suspect she probably didn't for you. No, I didn't. I, I, I was, I I think a couple of things happened for me personally. Um, again, I've, I've got self-awareness. Um, I think it was a close fight. I think it was closer than perhaps I scored it on the night. Um, but I was really irritated by the comms, obviously, but more irritated. I was really, really irritated by the holding by Katie Taylor. It was excessive. It was constant. And it felt like she was doing it a lot. Uh, it felt like she was doing it for the bulk of the round. It felt constant. And it really bothered me to the point where I just scored the round to Cameron. But I think Ka- uh, Cameron, I think she actually, when I think about it, when I thought about it a couple of days later, I think Cameron got herself old manned, if you like. Um, as they say, I suppose we'd say old womaned. She kind of got herself old womaned a little bit. I think she let herself she let herself get wound up by the referee. She let herself get wound up by the holding. And Katie Taylor was able to just kind of pot shot, hold, pot shot, hold. And little flurries here and there, get the crowd going and nick rounds. Is that is that is that fair? Is that, that's kind of how it felt to me. How did it kind of feel to you? Yeah, like... I felt that she might be the fighting pride of Ireland, mm. but it was her Leeds heritage that shone through there because mm. lead with the head, flurry of punches, cling on for dear life is straight out of the Josh Warrington playbook. Mm. It was. Yeah. It, it, and it was effective. She won the rounds. Cameron was frustrated. The clash of heads early doors didn't help. Mm. You know, she seemed to fall apart a little bit under the tactics that were used there and I did wonder if in the first fight she was a little bit mentally fragile given the comments made about couldn't have Ellie Scottney on the undercard etc etc and she showed that she wasn't mentally fragile in the first fight she stood up to that crowd but the second things got a little bit nasty in there she just folded a little bit did Cameron and the fight was very, very close. It's not as if she completely capitulated, but for someone who was so dominant in the first fight, she just lost her head a little bit with the tactics that Taylor was using and she had no answer for it. 
And for me, Katie Taylor edged out a close fight. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say T- Taylor won a close one. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought, like, I, like I've said already, I thought Cameron let herself get bothered. She was let herself get annoyed. Um, and actually what she did in the middle rounds was she stopped working the body. She started headhunting, and I think that was because she got she was pissed off. She was pissed off at the you know perhaps the clash of heads. She was pissed off at the um, um, you know at the holding. I, I thought outside of the the blatant bias from the zone, the other thing that kind of that I didn't agree with was this idea that it was a really good fight. I didn't actually think it was a very good fight at all. Um, it was it was messy. It was really messy and not really. I don't know if I'd want to. I think my feeling is they'll do a rubber match um, and that'll be fine and I'll watch it. But I thought it was just a bit messy. But because, you know, kind of DAZN got the result they wanted, they kind of dressed it up as a classic. I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy it at all, John. Did you enjoy it as a spectacle? I did enjoy it as a spectacle because I quite like a fight where you can tell that there's a bit of dislike going on in there. And... There wasn't bad words exchanged beforehand, but you can just tell that Katie Taylor wanted some revenge for Cameron messing up her big homecoming last time round. Cameron was getting increasingly annoyed by the tactics, and there was some genuine needle in there, and I like those fights. When it's scrappy and they're trying to hurt one another, and at one point Cameron throws a blatant elbow, like... I enjoy that sort of stuff. When there's a real needle to it, it's it's really captivating to me. Like I liked a fight that most people hated when Liam Williams fought Gary Corcoran in Wales. Aww. It was horrible, bad tempered, scrappy affair with uh, Williams celebrating over Corcoran once he's knocked him down. Like the whole thing was just full of needle and bad blood and that is my sort of fight and there was a little bit of that there so like that kept me happy yeah that you could definitely see there was you know there was they were trying to play nice perhaps just not in their nature but you can see they don't like each other particularly from cameron's side she's gonna have it she's got a bit of a chip on her shoulder anyway i feel like um and i think that's a good thing and I saw afterwards that Cameron was complaint. She was furious at the referee and Jamie Moore was as well furious kind of at the referee because of the holding and, you know, not deducting a point for Taylor or anything like that. There was a lot of kind of whinging and whining afterwards about, you know, kind of the holding and that. And maybe, maybe if they do, I, I'd like, I prefer to see a rubber match actually over Amanda Serrano. Um, although that would be fun too. That'd be great as well. Um, yeah. So either one of those would be fine. Um, yeah, like, yeah go on. I did find it interesting though with Jamie Moore complaining about the excessive holding. Yeah, because there was absolutely no complaints about uh, Jack Catterall turning into a limpet in the last four to five rounds against Josh Taylor. Yeah. Like that was part of his tactics of slowing the pace down. Mm. You know, you, you can't you can't have it both ways. Mm. Keep a consistent position. Either excessive holding is bad. Mm and referees should deduct points, and that is the same when it's your fighter, or it's a tactic that you're allowed to use, and if the referee doesn't punish you, it's fine. You know, the fact that Jack Catterall is this hard-done-by party, and as is Chantel Cameron, when they've been on opposite sides of the same tactic, it's it's madness to me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair enough, yeah. 
you can't like you said you can't have it both ways you know if you, if you think it's a valid tactic then great if you don't then 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 be consistent the the other thing that went against Cameron as well is she marks up really easily i noticed that she she quite quickly gets marked obviously there was a lot of head clashes going on she was really marked up in the first fight and really marked up in the second fight as well and i imagine that that kind of went against her as well in terms of you know the the, the scoring Although, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think she had a chance on the cards on, on Saturday. Um, I think she, need, yeah, it just felt like, it felt like nothing was going to go away that night. It just seemed like, um, you know, the referee was kind of happy to let whatever happen. Comms was Andy Lee said he was re- Andy Lee. Oh god, that was probably my favourite part actually, John. Uh, within about ten seconds, uh, literally ten seconds of the first round, Andy Lee goes, "Oh, Katie Taylor looks much better tonight." <laughs> It's like nothing's happened yet, you fucking weirdo. But it cracked me up. I really like Andy Lee, but I've got a big problem with people commentating on their friends. Like, it was as bad as having Bellew on comms for um, Usyk Chisora. Like, they're not being fair. Like, I seen someone tweet that throughout the fight. Chantel Cameron was referred to as Cameron yes. and Katie Taylor was referred to as Katie Youngcoms and it's true yep. but like as far as the judging's concerned I thought two of the cards were fair enough I thought the 95 uh, 95 and the 96 94 were fair but that 98 92 was disgusting cuz it's a close fight it was a close fight if Cameron had got it I would have had no complaints I felt Taylor did enough but it was a competitive fight, 98-92 is not a scorecard that should be turned in a competitive fight, but we're every week we're talking about at least one mad card. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you just know it, don't you? Whenever there's a big fight and there's, and it's a close fight, there is always a mental, mental card, and that was it, Jan Christiansen who turned in 98-92 in terms of, in favour of Katie Taylor, that was unreal. The other two, I agree with you, absolutely fine, no problem with that at all. Um, what do you think they do next? Do you think they do the rubber match next? I'm not sure. Like, I think the rubber match is probably the easiest to make. I think the Serrano fight is probably a better fight. There was yeah. far less holding. The styles clashed better. Like, I think that is a better fight. But I think the because they're having to deal with Jake Paul and he'll demand monstrous amounts of money for Amanda Serrano, I think the Cameron fight is probably the easiest one to make. There's a narrative there for the people to get behind. That's what I think we see. Have you seen it? Yeah, I I agree. I think there's a little bit of needle there, a little bit of controversy. I think there's... I like Amanda Serrano, um, but... Those two had a great fight. Uh, it was Madison Square Garden. Um, but it's all too friendly. Let's have a bit of nastiness. <laughs> let's have one of them call the other one a slag at the press conference. <laughs> yeah, let's, 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 let's get it going. Like, let's kind of get it going a bit. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be the rubber match. I think it's easy to make. I agree with you. Uh, Cameron's going to want it. She's lost her championships. And actually, I think it's the right thing. You know, she was the champion. You know, she defended against Taylor. Won. And she's lost her title, so you know, give her the give her the give her the rematch. You know, I know the, the the first rematch was was mandated; it was contracted. But you know, I think fair's fair. Give her a rematch back, um, and we'll see we'll see what happens next time. Um, anything on the undercard stand out to you? Paddy uh, Paddy Donovan looked good, didn't he? 
Paddy Donovan, like I'm a big fan of Paddy Donovan. I got to see him in the flesh in Glasgow, got to spend some time with him. I think he is a really, really good prospect. Surprisingly, Top Rank have cut ties and Top Rank tend to be very good at gauging a prospect's chances of success with the exception of Felix Verdejo that they got very wrong. But usually they are spot on about these things. But I think Donovan really has it all. He's got power. He's skillful. I think he's marketable going forward. I'm surprised that Matchroom haven't tied that up. And Danny Ball is a good fighter. And Donovan made him look like a very, very basic fighter. So, you know, I'm incredibly impressed by Paddy Donovan. I want to see him stepped up going forward or even kept busy at this sort of level. Like a Liam Taylor next would be absolutely fine. Anyone of that sort of caliber. But like he really stands out to me. I think he can go far. Were you impressed? I was. I'd not seen much of him. Um, And he was very good. Very spiteful. Um, Nice shot selection. Um, Had to eat one or two, but, you know, took him well, no problem. Um, No, I liked him. I liked him a lot. Bit quite flashy, but he doesn't come across as arrogant. He doesn't. He doesn't have like the you know the Ben Whitaker's type thing about him. He, he, he's flashing in terms of his shot selection, the way he puts shots together. But actually, outside of the ring, he, he comes across you know fine. Um, so yeah, I, I liked him. I haven't seen loads of him, so I was impressed by him. Absolutely, he was definitely definitely the standout. I didn't see Sky Nicholson. I didn't see that fight. Uh, the Gary Cully re-smiled. It was pretty close, wasn't it? That one. It was competitive. Like I thought that if I had Cully winning Natalie, if it had gone to mould, no complaints. Gary Cully looked like a guy who was devoid of confidence in those early rounds. Mm. He looked, in many ways, he looked worse than in the defeat to Felix. Like He was doing his thing against Felix. He was going all out, what had gotten that we run on the zone, etc, etc. But here, he just... He looked tentative. I know it was his first fight with a new trainer, etc., etc., but it just... It wasn't a good fight for trying to get that hype back. It might allow him to get his confidence and build from there, but he strikes me as a fighter that's never going to be quite the same guy he was pre the Felix knockout. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I do. I do. He, You're right. He looked a little bit nervous, the issue with him is he's really tall at the weight and that's a big old target to aim at. And I think if you get knocked out once at that level as well, uh, I think eventually what happened again. I think Reese Mould, you know, was he's he was a, he was kind of not really big enough to challenge him. I don't think well, they gave him a good boxing match. I don't think there was any danger you know, of him being of Reese Mould hurting him. And I think Gary Cully was was just Na- loads naturally bigger. Reese Mould fought a featherweight, hasn't he? Um, yeah. He's jumped up to lightweight here. So I just, yeah, I just saw it and just thought, yeah, this is made for Cully to, to look good and win, get his confidence back, which, you know, a little bit. And I think that's exactly what they kind of got what they what they needed out of it. Um, also, uh, last weekend, I didn't see loads of it. Um, what did we, did we learn anything about David Benavidez? Uh, in stopping Demetrius Andrade in six rounds, which is, I actually was impressed he did it so quickly, John. 
I felt we learned that David Benavides gets it. Out of all these guys, there's been a lot of fighters who've been very content to try and play the Canelo sweepstakes by going, look, I've got a title. I'm bringing very little else to the table. David Benavidez has got height and reach and has got plenty of boxing ability, but he chooses to fight like a much shorter man, get on the inside, take one to land two, he gets that it's the entertainment business. There was a clip doing the rounds on socials afterwards where he was talking to Fight Hype where he was saying it is the entertainment business and he's here to entertain. He is an unorthodox, pressure-fighting monster at the weight. I'm not convinced that it will be enough against Canelo unless he really is sliding, but I want to see it. He's created a bit of a buzz about himself, a bit of hype, and that's what you need to do. So credit for him for not trying to box at range and take his time and gently break down Andre. He went out there, rode the storm for the first round and a half of Andre's fast start and then just punished him. Mm. I liked it. I want to see the Canelo fight. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I like him and I like it in the last two fights. He's he's taken on guys like Caleb Plant and Demetrius Andre. It's like, okay, all right. Uh, all right, Canelo, you don't want to fight me. I don't have a belt to bring to you because you've got all of them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat up all the challengers and I'm just going to smash every other challenger until you have to fight me. And I think Canelo, it's got to a place now there. I think Canelo, I, I think, I don't think Canelo's really scared of anybody. I do think he's conscious of perhaps um, Benavidez's size, but also the Mexican element as well. I think that factors into it. I think he really loves being the Mexican hero and I don't think he perhaps wants to wants to share the you know, share that with uh, I know um Benavides is more Mexican American, but um I'm not sure you want to share that with anybody. Um but I think it's we're getting to a place now where Canelo's kind of running out of challenges, particularly at super middleweight. Um I don't know, I, I think Benavides has a shot, you know. Just because he's so bloody massive. He's just massive at the weight and he does fight small and that might work for Canelo. But I find Canelo to be as good as he is, a little bit of a weight cheat. Like he's ma- that's the best way I can word it. Like he's he's massive he's he's a big lump at super middle. He's just bashed up, you know, Jamel Charlo because he was far too big for him. And I think he might, it might be, a, I think it could be a very, very interesting matchup. But you'd think at this point Canelo still wins. I lean towards Canelo because as compact as David Benavidez makes himself, there's still an awful lot of body team for there. Mm. And Canelo will find the pockets when you're taking the risks that David Benavidez has against Caleb Plant and Demetrius Andrade. There will be opportunities there for Canelo to do what he does. Mm. And I think unless he really is now starting to wind down completely and there are signs that he's definitely not quite the fighter he was and it is all going to be about timing if he's going to fight David Benavidez I imagine it's going to have to be sooner rather than later because he is declining Benavidez seems to be really hitting his stride and it might be unfair on Benavidez but I will always remember his first fight against uh, Ronald Gavril when he won the super middleweight title the first time around the WBC belt before testing positive for coke I think it was yeah. that was a competitive fight he was down like 
I appreciated six, seven years ago now, but those things linger in my mind, perhaps unfairly, but I still think that Canelo has enough to cause him serious problems, but he's made himself the most interesting challenge available. While other people try to drum up interest for fights by running their mouths off on social media, David Benavidez is going in the ring and creating a real buzz and hype around himself. And I've got to commend him for that. For that. Yeah, yeah. I think he's done a really, really good job of, of kind of promoting himself. And straight after the fight, it was Canelo, Canelo, Canelo. So, yeah, next Cinco de Mayo weekend in may of next year it has to be that it has to be that and i think you're right it has to be sooner rather than later canelo's 33 benavidez is 26 and you know it's you know you want to fight when you're the when you're the guy which canelo is you want to fight the guy that people are talking about i think that's always the best way of going about it when you're i know he's not pound for pound number one anymore canelo but he is the draw in world boxing and you have to you want to fight the people that people are talking about and People are talking about David Benavidez. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see. We'll see. Also on the card, and this was a, a rare occasion, uh, Jamal Charlo was boxing Jose Benavidez, who's David's brother, I believe. Um, and Jamal missed the catch weight, was overweight. And then when he reweighed, he weighed even more, <laughs> which I've never heard that before. Um, what did you make of that whole thing, John? Oh, could. Can we just get the audio of that Nazim Hamid clip of talking about Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah. and just play it here? He should finish. He should finish. Yeah. Like, he's not taking the sport seriously. He's clearly got some demons going on outside. But when you listen to him in interviews, you see him in the ring, you see his behaviour. Like, this guy isn't a boxer right now. Mm. It's, it's sad. I wish him well in getting better and sorting his life out. But... Right now, I've got no interest in seeing him in a boxing ring. Is that unfair? No, it's not. He was boxing a blown-up welterweight at the weekend. I think he may have even boxed a junior welter Benavidez at some point. I remember he boxed um, Terence Crawford, didn't he, at welterweight? Yeah. Uh, and Crawford looked too big for him. And so now, you know, Jamal's, you know, a, a middleweight, a big middleweight, a, technically a reigning middleweight champion. The, w, the WBC's with what's going on with him you know they should have stripped him on saturday once he weighed what he weighed i know it wasn't for the title but they should have said okay now now's a chance let's just take it off him he can't even he can't even do middleweight anymore um he's close to super middle yeah i i don't want to see him box um i was always the big jamel fan because uh, he was under you know he went undisputed and i, I loved his run jamel but then he, he, he turned in a, a dud against canelo um and then Jamal was just yeah he just seems to not be a well guy he took a he took a bitch slap off Caleb Plant uh, Caleb Plant outside the ring and he didn't even move he just seems like a not well guy at all I just want him to get well and sort himself out because he doesn't I'm he's with Al Heyman so he won't need the money he'll be he, he'd have made you know what is it smart investments as Floyd always <laughs> likes to say <laughs> smart investments um I imagine you know Al Heyman's helped him navigate his money well you don't hear of many you know, Al Hamer fighters being skint. Um, so, yeah, go do, you know, sort yourself out, mate. Uh, but he's in his 30s now. Maybe he needs to do something else, but maybe that's the struggle. Maybe he doesn't really want to box, but he doesn't know what else to do. I don't know. But it's 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 a shame. It's a shame. I didn't see the performance he turned in, but he won a decision over a, you know, a blown-up world turn. I think that pretty much says it all, doesn't it, John? Yeah, it, you haven't missed much. It's a really disappointing fight. And sad, like, I really... 
I liked him. I thought he was a good fighter four years ago. Uh, at the minute, I just don't really want to see him back in the boxing ring. He peaked in the J-Rock fight, didn't he? Yeah. He, he peaked in the J-Rock. He, he stopped J-Rock uh, with that great uppercut, or he dropped him with that great uppercut and then stopped him. That was that was it. That was and that was the peak of his career. And he went up to middleweight and you know won a won a an email title if you like, won an interim belt, and then, <laughs> you know got made up to a full title, and then didn't fight Golovkin, didn't fight Canelo, and just fought people that he should have beaten and beat them. It was just he's had a really poor run. Uh, he, he looked like he looked like he was going to be the better of the two, and then Jamel's ever ended up having the better career slightly. Um, yeah, real shame, real shame. Um, going back a week, um, and probably the there was a few surprises actually that night, and it was a lot, I had to do a lot of channel skipping because um, there was two cards on one on Sky, one on BT Sport. But I think probably the headline result um, was Nathan Heaney um, beating Denzel Bentley to win the British and I believe Commonwealth title was at middleweight. Denzel Bentley had had the title for a while; he'd boxed for a world title. Nathan Heaney looked like you know, maybe fringe British title level. Uh, and he, do you know what? I called it, I said, I texted you and I said, he's done a Jose Mourinho on, on, on Denzel Bentley. It's like Chelsea Liverpool at Anfield a few years ago. He's, he's stunk the place out. He's got in Bentley's head and he's walked away with the Lonsdale belt. What do you think of that whole, that whole thing? It was unbelievable. Like I genuinely thought that that fight was going to be a mismatch. Mm. I didn't see it as competitive at all. There were people telling me that there was good prices going on Denzel Bentley to win in the first six rounds. I couldn't discourage anybody from going for it. Like I thought that Nathan Heaney was a ticket seller who was getting cashed out by Frank Warren there and then. You know, they were still talking about uh, Bentley rematching Yannabek and all these sorts of things. And then Nathan Heaney manages to do the basics just about eke it out. Bentley spent too long looking for a home run punch. Mm. I think it's worth commenting if you see the montage of Steve Woodvine in uh, Nathan Heaney's corner. I think he did a tremendous job of giving his fighter the right advice at the right time throughout that fight. But it was a fairy tale ending to a good night of boxing. I did not see it coming, did you? No, I didn't. I, I, I like Bentley. He's got a good bit of dig at, at middleweight. He's had some good wins. I, I agree with you. I think he just thought he was going to find a shot. I think he believed the hype. I think he thought he was just going to walk through Heaney, that Heaney was too open, um, that he'd be too open for him. But Heaney just did the, he just did the basics, and he did them well. And you're right about his corner. His corner were brilliant. They were so good. They kept him motivated the entire time. Whereas Bentley's corner was the complete opposite. They, they, you know, after a four or five rounds, he needed one of them. He needed one of those Emmanuel Stewart slap round the faces and waking up because it was just like you're 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 going to lose the title here, mate. Like you're about to lose um, because you could see it after four or five rounds that like Hanley was just in his head and that he'd he was outboxing him. He looked. He just looked better than him, and it was. But you could see Bentley weren't right. There was something not right there with him. I don't know if it was a physical thing or maybe he just he just underestimated him. And you're right. He kept trying to find a big shot. He just kept trying to find a big shot. But when he was landing the big shot, Haney ate him. He was eating the shots, 
and coming forward. But he did. He did a Jose on him. He just he just <laughs> stunk the place out a little bit. A, little, a lot of holding, a lot of time wasting, a lot of moving. But he won the rounds and, and got out of there with the belts and, and fair play to him. Do you think they do it again? Yeah, I suspect they probably will, to be honest with you, because Denzel Bentley will want his rematch. It's probably contracted in there. Nathan Heaney's fan base is going to be even bigger than before. So I'd, I think that we probably do see it again. And I'd watch it for what wasn't a particularly good fight. I was captivated throughout because it looked like Nathan Heaney was going to pull off a miracle. And you can take your eyes off it. And again, I want to see, is he a king for a day? Was that him climbing Everest and he will never get to those levels again? Will Bentley never be quite as bad as he was on that night? I'm intrigued. I, I'd, I'd watch it again. Would you? Yeah, I would. I would. It makes me think of when Curtis Woodhouse won the British title. And he had Adam <laughs> Booth and I think he had Mick the Rub in his corner and he, he just, for one night, boxed like a world-class fighter. Um, and then he lost the title pretty quickly, didn't he? I think he might have retired, and then they ended up giving up the title, and he lost it, lost pretty quickly. But it reminded me of that a little bit. It was like, I'm going to throw everything into this one night, and it'll be interesting to see if Haney can go to the well again uh, and can you know can pull out another performance against that. Bentley can only get better. He can surely only be better um, and improve from that. Um, I'd like to see it again, just because I'm interested in... Is is Haney is is he as good as the win suggests, or was it just a really bad night for Denzel Bentley? I'd really like to see it. Uh, yeah, I'd be really interested in that. And another um, John, another long reigning long reigning British champion, uh, Eku Esuman, uh, he lost to Harry Scarf, which is another surprise. Yep, that's another one I didn't see coming. Like Harry Scarf is one of these guys. His nickname's very apt. Horrible Harry Scarf. I imagine he must be horrible to fight. Yeah. He's six foot one. He's fighting at welterweight. He's tall. He's reachy. He's got arms like an octopus. He loves a cuddle. He's one of these guys who gives people a hard night work. He made Anthony Fowler look bad when Fowler was on the way up. He gave Troy Williamson a really, really close fight. And on the night, he just got it right, and uh, with big uh, Clinton in his corner, they got the game plan right, mm. eked it out. I was really surprised because Esselman has been solid over guys like Congo, Tetley, Ball, Antweed, Chris Jenkins even. So I really thought that he was going to be a level above Harry Scarf. But again, it was a little local derby. They'd sparred each other, they knew each other. There was a little bit of local bragging rights there and Harry Scarf found another level. I really enjoyed it. Again, horrible fight to watch, but I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't the best spectacle and it was actually when I finally got the fire stick working. It was the first fight that came on that I saw and it was a little bit messy, but I was I was intrigued by it because Esteban's had the title for ages and so it was, okay, I'm expecting him to turn it on at some point and he never really did. It never, He never really got got going i don't think and scarf just just did enough in every round and i thought he won it pretty comfortably in the end um yeah it was it was it was a good win. fair play to him fair play to him. do you think they do that again as well again i imagine that there's probably a rematch clause i think that that's a bit of a harder sell yeah yeah i don't think there's gonna be many people queuing up 
to watch that. Neither man does a lot of tickets. It might be one of these that Frank Warren might be able to work his way around and not do again. But as I say, there's probably a rematch clause inserted in there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, maybe it will just be something they throw on BT Sport or TNT Sports Free at some point uh, in the new year. We'll see. Um, the same night, amazing. The first time I became aware of Tyler Denny was watching him on Channel Five. I think it might have been a southern area or an English title. I'm going to say English. And I remember, I didn't really know of him, but I remember thinking, you got robbed there, mate. And so I've kept an eye on him ever since. And he's going to go and won the European title, John. Yep, yeah, it's some real rocky stuff here. Like, he's a guy that drew against two journeymen early on in his career back to back then got stopped by Reese Cartwright. He then gives Linus Eudophia a really close fight that he was unlucky not to get his hand raised mm. fighting in the away corner at your call. Then there's the fight that you were talking about on Channel 5 when he fought River Wilson bent. Yep. That was um, that was a draw. On a, yep. Yeah, that, that, that one was a draw on a technical decision because of a cut above uh, Wilson bent's eye. And then he gets the rematch on Sky, wins that, and then he goes on this run of undefeated fighters from River Wilson Bent, uh, Bradley Ray, Brad Pauls, then fights Macaulay McGowan, and then gets the European title. Like For a guy from the black country who is solid, has taken hard fights in the away corner... It's nice. It's the sort of things that you like to hear about in boxing, and he absolutely deserves it. He's an aggressive, awkward southpaw. Again, another one must be a nightmare to box against, but deserves all the success. He's building up a little bit of a fan base. Wolverhampton Civic Hall is a great venue. I was there for Flanagan Ormond many years ago. It's just like a bigger York Hall. There isn't a bad seat in the building. If he can turn that into his home, going a wee run with the European title, good for him. There was a lot of talk of afterwards. Oh well, surely they can make Tyler Denny against you know Nathan Heaney for the British Commonwealth and European. It'd be proper old school, wouldn't it, if they did that? But I don't see it. I don't see it, and I think he's got a mandatory against Felix Cash. Oh dear, oh dear, you'd fancy Felix Cash, wouldn't you? Yeah, I I suspect that title might be getting dropped in favour of a WBC silver and say they're moving him towards world titles or something because there's been a real reluctance on boxers' part to engage in purse bids with matchroom favoured to be bidding. So I'm not convinced we see that one. No, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know... Yeah, you'd make Felix. I know Felix Cash has kind of been treading water for a little. I think he had an injury and some other bits and pieces. Um, so he's he's kind of since he stopped Denzel Bentley, he's kind of drifted a bit. Um, but you'd still you'd still probably say he's the best domestically, um, other than maybe Chris Eubank. I think he'd give Chris Eubank Junior a good fight. Actually, uh, not that it'll get anywhere near that fight. Um, Actually, that was interesting. Did you see that the board have said, no, you're not putting Eubank Ben on in London in to- at Tottenham? Yeah. Yep. And I suspect it'll probably still happen. It'll be under Luxembourg or some sort of nonsense. 
Yeah. I can see this being H is all over again. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of, it is, it does feel like kind of a, a rogue fight, doesn't it? It's like, you know, Ben, Ben, you know, he hasn't, he's potentially could get away with the, the drugs ban on a technicality. Um, it feels like one of those kind of Wild West situations where, you know, the border kind of holding their feet and going, no, no, you failed a test. You've not really cooperate with us. You are not, and you, you voluntarily relinquish your license. We're not giving you your license back. Um, and we're not licensing for you to fight, which is fair enough. Um, and yeah, I can see them doing something mental and doing it either in Saudi, um, somewhere in the Middle East or yeah, perhaps in Tottenham under, you know, Luxembourg or, or, or something like that. Um, all I know is I want Chris Eubank to win very, very badly. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, what, what else did I want to talk about? There was something that, that came up. Um, Richard Reakpour won. Looks like he's going to get the Chris Boom Smith fight at some point soon as well. Uh, and then Adam Azim. Adam Azim won the European title as well. What did you think of his performance? I thought he did well. Um, Petit Jean was probably the weakest of the European champions available at the time and he had to fight a negative opponent who wasn't offering much he found a way to break him down which he'd struggled in his last two fights if he didn't get rid of them early he became a little bit predictable but this was a guy who wasn't really interested in having a fight but he found the openings and he got him out of there and he's actually in a similar situation to Tyler Denny because his mandatory is Dalton Smith. Oh, hello. Well, that might be fun. Do you think we see it? No, of course not. <laughs> no, well, I actually, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think Boxer, I think Boxer might be in a bit of bother, actually. Uh, I, I think I think the last thing that, that, um, that uh, Ben Shalom needed to see was uh, Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren grinning teeth at each other at a press conference. I don't think that looks good for for uh, Ben Shalom, to be honest. If those two start working together, um, Ben Shalom, yeah, he might be a little bit above. And no, I don't think he gets. If they do, I don't think. I think if they go to a purse bid, I think Eddie will, will will blow him out of the water. And I just, I think Eddie Mazin will drop the belt. I think he'll drop it pretty quickly, um, which will be a shame. Um, but yeah, I think. I, saying that though, he's just, he's a McGuigan fighter, and McGuigan fighters always match tough. They always match well, and they always match tough. Um, and so. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think he'll duck it, but I just think, yeah, I, I think perhaps the politics might get in the way here, John. Um, I wanted to ask you, actually, um, how long are we on? 48 minutes. Um, I just wanted to ask you about the Saudi card. Uh, what you're kind of, I know, obviously, I did record it with Flav, uh, when was that, week and a half ago, uh, about that. Yeah, it was actually, I don't know, about a week or so ago. Um, what do you think about that, about the, the Saudi card, Eddie and, and Frank? being besties do you think it lasts uh anything on the card that kind of stands out to you what do you think about the whole thing you see when sky sports stick on a super sunday that consists of liverpool burnley and man city against brighton yeah and you're like it's not really a super sunday it's a bit of a subpar sunday like yeah this might have implications going forward but i'm not really interested in either of these two games i kind of know how the results are going to go it just feels a little bit like that like that 
Wilder Joshua doesn't need any more marinating. It's been marinating for like seven years. Just make the bloody fight. And there's the risk that Joshua loses. I, I, I don't think I don't think Joseph Parker is going to beat Wilder, but Otto Valin is a six foot five southpaw on a decent bit of form. I think Anthony Joshua is a little bit mentally weak, and Valin could beat him. Is that fair? Yeah, like I, I think it's absolutely possible that the two main fights could lose. Like I would have. Parker as a significant underdog here, but I still don't think it's out with the realms of possibility that he could chin Deontay Wilder, who has fought one round in two years. You know, it's it's just not good. And the best thing I can say for this card, the most interesting fight on it, is Daniel Dubois against Jarrell Miller. Yes. And it's for the freak show value. It's that I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm willing to watch it to find out. And it's also, I don't know how good Ivory View is. Nope. Because Jarrell Miller's a, what, did a four-year ban for drugs, for the cocktail of drugs that they found in his system, uh, of performance-enhancing drugs they found in his system. They got tested positive for fucking everything. Um, and... And then you've got Daniel Dubois, who's, you know, to be blunt, jacked it against Usyk and arguably jacked it against Joe Joyce as well. But he's a fun fighter. I like him. He's a fun fighter. I like watching him. Um, and I'd like him to win this fight because, you know, Jerome is a drug, drug cheat. So I'd quite like Daniel Dubois to win. I'm not digging the guy out. But you don't know how good either one of them are, particularly Miller. And I agree with you. That's the fight I'm actually interested in because it's like, oh, if Dubois loses this, then he's done, isn't he? Yeah, there's not a real lot of places he can go after a loss here. I favour him to win, but with no degree of confidence. Mm. Like if if the shots bounce off that twenty-two stone man and he keeps on marching forward. Is Dubois going to have Joyce flashbacks? Yeah. yeah. Does he wear him down? Because he does throw with volume, Miller, doesn't he? There is a. He does have a pretty decent output. He's not a massive puncher, but he's a 300 pound man. So he's going to have some weight behind his shots. And he throws with some volume, although we don't know how good he is since the ban. Um. So that, I just, yeah, I agree with you. I do slightly favour Dubois. I just think he's just a little bit fresher a little bit boxed at a higher level box more regularly um and he's got he's got power so i do fancy dubois um but i am interested in it um i love wilder so i'd be interested i think i think wilder felt in the press conference like the main event it felt like it was his show even though anthony joshua was there um they, they they went to Wilder last. He was announced last. They brought him out last. It felt like it was his kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's risky. It's risky. Um, and then a lot of kind of, again, Frank Warren kind of mismatches on there. you got Bivol and Lyndon Arfar. And, <laughs> you know, fair play to Lyndon Arfar. I like that he's cashing in the IBO belt. Well, I imagine they'll they'll strip him if he loses. Uh, they're not they're not doing. They should have done a unification just for the shits and giggles of it. Um, 
yeah, I, there's a couple of there's a couple of mismatches on there, isn't there, John? Ellis Zoro against Jay oh, Opatayo. I forgot about that. <laughs> and then the worst mismatch on that card. Yep. Philip Pergovich oh. against Mark Demori. Oh my god! Fair play to Mark Demori. Who does he know? Who does he have pictures of? Like that, that he's managed to get that managed to get a fight with Pergovich. who's was the IBF number one. Like unbelievable. Fair play to the guy. I don't know who he's got pictures of, but you know, fair play to him. He's cashing them in now. Uh, I think it's got to be the Croatia link. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Because Mark Demori lived in Croatia for a number of years and boxed there. I don't know, has he managed to convince some Saudis that this is going to make do big numbers in Croatia really increase the buy rate? Possibly. Yeah, I suppose it's possible. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think you think Hergovic's probably going to get him out of there pretty early, didn't you? I know he's not a massive puncher, but he's just going to be far too good for him. And there's poor Zhang sat on the sidelines, not, not boxing anybody. Um, yeah. He should be fighting somebody. Um and then obviously we've got the undisputed fight in February. We think you think we get the undisputed fight. You think Fury doesn't find a way out, and we get it in February. I think there's enough money on the table to make it happen. Yeah. I don't think that he'll walk away from the amount of cash that's there right now. Do you think that he bottles it? No, I think he loses though. I think Usyk's going to beat him, um, or a bull, as in your words, a bullshit decision for Fury. I think that's possible. But I, I, I think Fury might be done. I think mentally, I don't know. I'm just you're just seeing cracks there. I think Usyk has been active enough and has been boxing at a good enough level, whereas Fury has been boxing beneath his level for a little while now. And I think it's difficult to put that genie back in the bottle once you've been kind of sleepwalking your way through fights. I think it's difficult to 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 turn it up again. Um, I think I think Usyk's going to win. Um, but that might be wishful thinking on my part because I love Usyk and can't stand Fury. So we'll see. Who do you fancy? Who do you fancy for that? I, I like Usyk there. I think that there's signs of decline in Tyson Fury. Mm. I think that it's potentially a fight where we could see his head go mm. because Usyk's pretty impervious to all his mind games. And I think that's going to annoy him. So I think he'll try and get under his skin by doing some of the more ridiculous antics in the fight, which could get a referee offside, etc., etc. And he doesn't cope well with shorter fighters. No. No. no, and I just think he's not for a long time, or well, he's never, he's never boxed a boxer of the level of Alexander Usyk. He's never. I think this is probably this is the toughest. This is the best boxer he's fought since Vlad. And Vlad was eight years ago. And Vlad was 39 years old at the time. And again, had been probably been boxing beneath his level. Um, I, yeah, this is the toughest fight of, of Fury's career. And he's not had the fights to prepare for it. Whereas Usyk has had to go to the well every time. Whether it's Joshua, Dubois, he's having to... F- because these guys are naturally bigger than him. He is fighting at his even if not at maximum he is having to turn up to camp and be ready for hard 12 rounds every night um so i i just fancy you sick for that reason that's the intangibles for me um and on boxing day 
it's a new Ata Palace for the Undisputed Super Bantamweight title. Are you excited about that? Absolutely. Whenever Inui fights, I'm there for it. Becoming undisputed at a second weight class, again, all here for it. Fantastic Christmas present. I think he'll get to Palace out of there pretty quickly. I think he can then move up to featherweight where there's options for him with top rank. They've got Rubezi Ramirez. They've got Luis Alberto Lopez. They've just signed Kolmatov, who's going to fight Ray Ford for the vacant WBA. There could be a wee narrative of attempting to go undisputed at featherweight happening for him next year. I think it's all very exciting. What do you think? I think he might stick around at Super Bantam. I think he'll win. I think he'll beat Tapales. I agree with you. I think he'll get him out of there by halfway. Um, but I think he might stick around. I think Lewis Neary's there. Um, Casemiro's around. Although I think he's gone off that fight a little bit. I think he might stick around for a defence or two. Let himself naturally kind of get his maximum of the weight. And perhaps let some things happen at featherweight. Let some unifications. Maybe let some stuff happen so he can go to featherweight and there's stuff for him there to go there for. Um, so I think he might stick around for, even if it's just for a year um, or another fight or two and then maybe make the jump but yeah I agree I think he's going to win I think I'm actually more excited for Inoue than I am for the for the Saudi card because um, I just love Inoue I know he's going to be the heavy favourite but I just love him and it's just it's what 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sky it's like come on Inoue <laughs> and it's the whole spectacle of it he looks menacing with those pruned eyebrows he just looks menacing and terrifying and yet he's a not just a massive puncher but a brilliant all-round boxer and i just love him i absolutely love him um the only thing i wish is i had merch if i had a new a merch i want it um so yeah that's i'm looking forward to it it's really good um we're coming up to the hour john so i am going to leave you to your evening uh thank you so much um where can people follow you you working on anything I'm uh, doing bits and pieces for Bet365 at the minute, doing some Tale of the Tape stuff ahead of big fights. If anyone's trying to find me, I'm on Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk's calling it this week on at JAMACD2011. Just start typing in some combination of those. I tend to pop up. There's not many people with those letters. But yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Cal. Much appreciated as always. All right. No worries. I appreciate your time once again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Leave us reviews. Say whatever you like. We give us the five stars. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.